In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to, to honor you before you go because I love you. And, and yeah, I just want to tell you, this word, it's been stewing in Vanessa for a while. And just get your heart expectant and ready because the Lord is on this, and it's a now word. And so I just, I just want to prepare your hearts because I've been hearing this message for a while, and it's been transforming me. And there's new things that are coming. But, um, but no, this, this woman of God, she carries, like, this massive anointing in this arena. And, um, and yeah, you're going to be blessed by it. So love you. Ooh, I'm going to do that. I, wa- I want this because I, I speak with my hands a lot, so we're going to see how this goes. Um, thank you, Joe, for sharing that. Um, that's a lot of my message, actually, or part of it. And so that's perfect for the timing. Um, I'm going to just set myself up super quick, and then I'm going to share with you a dream I actually had this morning. And God's so good because I had an intro, and then I had a dream, and now this is my dream, is my intro um, for my message. So I last night I had this dream that um, why am I blanking on his name now? What? Randy, Randy Clark was at our church again speaking, but I was still supposed to speak. And Tammy was like, "Don't worry, we'll get you in. You'll speak." <laughs> um, but I was waiting because right, it was getting crazy, right? Randy Clark is crazy, not like Holy Spirit crazy, right? So Holy Spirit was going on, um, but Tammy kept saying like, oh, "It's okay. You'll you'll have your time to speak." She's like, "Maybe we'll cancel the children's program." I'm like, "Yeah, that's totally fine." She's like, "But we'll make sure you still speak." Um, so then there's a moment like I'm down on the ground waiting and Randy Clark looks at me and he says, well, what are you going to speak on? And I say, patience. And then he says, in the new move of God, there's going to be no waiting. And then I say, well, patience isn't about waiting. And then he like goes, hmm, okay. Kind of like an approval, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. And then his wife was more like an Ann Stock um, character figure a little strong, um, and she said, well, have you been thinking about this? Like, is this something your church has been talking about? Um, And I um, was just kind of saying, like, is this the right season timing for this word? And then I said, well, patience is a tool to um, taking over the seven mountains, and we've been talking about the seven mountains. She's like, oh, okay. So then like, I get up to speak, and then um, actually it was, a lot was still going on, and I remember looking at the talk clock, and it was 12.20, so like, literally when I got up here, it was 12.20, um, and I was like, okay, I have about this much time to speak. So here I am. The girls then woke me up, and um, I didn't finish the rest of my dream, so I don't know how I did, but now we'll all find out, right? So I wanted, today I'm talking about patience, and I think most of us, when we say that word, the first thing is that um, a sense of punishment versus a present, right? When we feel like we're in a season of patience, we don't feel like it's a gift. <laughs> we feel like it's a cruel punishment. Um, but I, I really f- want to say that it is a gift and that I want to change your perspective that what if Holy Spirit is um, doing an active, beautiful work and giving you a gift of his fruit, right? Patience. So today we're just gonna look at it from that lens. Um, And how does this sound? Does this sound weird or does this sound okay? It's okay, it's a little weird. Can you handle it or 
Are we okay with it? We're okay with it. Okay. So I want to just first go into the Bible and talk about some of the things that the Bible talks about when they talk about patience and um, potentially convince you that it could potentially be a gift. Um, so we're going to first open up. We're just going to go through some scriptures really fast. So I'm just going to sit here for a second why I'm going through the scriptures. And I, I do like translations. So I have two here. Um, the first one um, is the Bible says that um, you will win life through patience. That actually through patience, you can win at life. <laughs> um, it's in Luke, Luke 21, 19, in the Amplified Version. I have a couple of versions going on here. It says, By your steadfastness and patient endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. The NIV translation says, stand firm. The Greek word is the same word, um, so it is a Greek word of patience, and we'll talk about that. But it says, stand firm, and you will win life. <laughs> the Bible also says, it's better to have a patient spirit than a proudful, self-promoting spirit. How are we doing? Okay. So think about New York, right? Like we all live in New York City and our city probably really values the self-promoting, proudful spirit, right? And it can get a little confusing, right? Because you're like, mm, should I promote myself now? But the Bible says it's better to have a patient spirit than a proudful spirit. Ecclesiastes 7.8 in the Amplified Version says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. That is a moment of Selah for us living in New York. The patient spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The next thing the Bible tells us about patience is that you will have great understanding through patience. So in Proverbs 14, 29, it says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. I'll say that again. Proverbs 14, 29. Oh, thank you. Whoever, I don't know what translation this is. Sorry, I didn't make a note. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. The next thing the Bible tells us about patience, that patience is potentially a gift, right? Is patience is attainable. Oh, no, sorry. Perfection is attainable through patience. We kind of say that in our world, right? Nobody's perfect. And it's true, by human standards, no one is perfect. But here the Bible is saying that actually perfection is attainable through patience. In James 1, 2 through 4, in the New King James Version, it says, My brethren, count it all joy, joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing 
The Amplified, I'm going to quickly read, says, I'm just going to read verse 4 in the Amplified, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect, people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Patience is the way to become fully developed. And then the last one that I'm just going to touch on about what the Bible says about patience is that it is actually a tool, a secret weapon, to influence the city. All right? You ready for this verse? I, I got rocked by this verse. Proverbs 16.23. I'm going to do the Passion Translation. Proverbs 16, sorry, Proverbs 16.32. 16.32. It says... Do you want to be a mighty warrior? It's better to be known as one who is patient and slow to anger. Do you want to conquer a city? Rule over your temper before you attempt to rule over a city. And this is where I feel it is so appropriate as we're heading into the new year and feeling God's calling us, right, to take over some of these mountains that patience is actually one of the tools, right? And isn't that the kingdom? Where the world, the earth says, drive, 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 grow, go, go, promote, 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 yourself, yourself. The Bible is saying that is not the way to take over a city. Do you want to be a mighty warrior? It is better to be known as one who is patient and slow to anger. Do you want to conquer a city? Rule over your temper before you attempt to rule a city. So there's two different Greek words in the New Testament when they talk about patience. We're going to get into those. Um, the first one is hapomino. I don't know if that's the correct translation <laughs> or the way to say it, but we're going to call it hapomino. <laughs> H-U-P-O-M-E-N-O, all right? So maybe Tammy knows it. Ipomoni. Ipomoni. Totally wrong. <laughs> Ipomoni. So Ipomoni. Okay, so what that means, that Greek word, right? It means a remaining under, an abiding under, endurance, perseverance. A definition I found, which I absolutely love, is the restraint of passions while remaining under under the discomfort of some pressure. Wow. <laughs> right? That has nothing to do with waiting, right? There's a whole category of patience, right, that I feel God is wanting to expand in us. So I'm going to say that again. It's a good one. All right, you ready? The restraint of passions while remaining under the discomfort of some pressure. Some is probably a range, right? Little to a lot, right? That's some pressure. So patience is not merely waiting. It is actually the exercise of self-control. <laughs> Two fruits of the Spirit. Colt's been hearing me say this. I'm like, what happened to patience and self-control? We pray for the spirit of love, but let's pray for the spirit of self-control and patience. What would that look like, right? Um, we can pray for it all, but I, I, I find I've, God's been in this journey of like, remember these two fruits, patience and self-control? We can pray for that spirit too. Let's see how that looks. You know, I don't even know how that looks. Like, is it just like 
like not very controlled, you know, I don't know, it might not be, but anyway, you know, just playing around. So I just want to bring into like cultural perspective, like we live in a culture, right, that has built businesses out of alleviating us from the discomfort of pressure. And it's not like a, whoa, that's bad, poo-poo, because let's say anything from Netflix, right, the fact Netflix was built so you don't have to drive to good old Blockbuster, you know, and see if the VHS is there and wait in line, Netflix said, we will just, we will alleviate your discomfort, right? So there's a, it's a range of things, right? Anything from, you know, Uber. To, I mean, we live in a culture that is building businesses day in and day out to alleviate your pressure, discomfort under pressure. But the Bible is saying this is a good gift. Do not just jump out of the ship of that pressure, right? So there's something in the Bible we're going we're gonna to explore too. Um, so we went to Santa Land last week, and I don't know what we believe about Santa. Like, we're kind of like, he's a character, and we don't, we're kind of very loose. But, you know, it's nostalgic, right? I don't know. So I'm not saying some theology about Santa, but we do have a weakness. We like to go to Macy's, and we like to go to Santa Land. Um, it's very magical. It's really fun. And Colt and I were like, okay, what time should we do this? The least amount of people, right? So... We like chose three o'clock on a Monday. We're like, no one's gonna go on a Monday. We get there and the line is so long. <laughs> and we get in line. And, and I'm I try to work on not always giving my children iPads, right? So I'm like, like it was just we waited for three hours to see Santa. And there were moments, right, where like we're doing okay, and there are other moments where we're like Colt and I definitely, like, right when we got in the magical kingdom, I'm like, I don't think this is worth it. We got to go. He's like, no, we committed. We got to keep going. And I was like, so, you know, we, we were not, we were really, the, the pressure was getting to us. But there was this thing that was going on in my head, right? Because my girls were bored. They were really bored. And um, there's this book about um, emotions, and one of them, it says, Mr. Woodhouse is bored. And so I would always do this thing when I was teaching my kids about boredom. I'd go, <laughs> so Lilu started doing that. She's like, <laughs> You know, it's just, just that's our way of expressing boredom. And I, as a mom, was like, I feel really bad about this. This, this is really unfortunate. Like, we're wasting all of this time. Like, we could have done this so many different ways. Like, this is just a waste of time. And then the Holy Spirit, not in that moment. I was more in my flesh in that moment. So this didn't happen in this moment. But after the fact, we've left the pressure, and now I can huh, have a little assessment. And the Lord's like, when did you think that was a waste of time. Like, when, what made you think that waiting is actually futile? That's a waste of time. And, I was, and the Lord was just speaking to me about that. Like, you, there is nothing wrong with waiting. In fact, you were, you are, you shouldn't, because I really felt bad. I was like, that, the girls could, we could be doing like, you know, fairies and just going and giving them this experience, right? And we live in a culture where we want experience right away. And the Lord's like, no, that was really good. Like, you were building in them perseverance. Three hours just standing in line. And it just really um, bring 
a revelation of like how much our culture has told us not to value and to actually see it as wasteful. That waiting is wasteful. There's no point in it. There's no use in it. And I'm concerned that our culture has really believed that and bought that. And therefore, we are despising patience. And we're missing out on a kingdom tool and a kingdom gift that's going to get us to where God wants to take us. Let me see where I'm at now. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So then Paul writes also in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. We went out to IHOP um, this summer, and my girls were in this little children's program. They actually said, like, it was just going to be babysitting, but they've trained, like, all their teachers and babysitters to, like, teach the word, right? So my girls learned this verse. It's the first verse they learn, the, first, the only verse they know. And I was like, oh, they probably give this to all their kids because they know they have a long way to go, right? Like, we got to get this version of into the patience of Christ. Um, but it's such a simple very simple verse, but it's super profound and powerful. Now, may the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. What is the patience of Christ? How was Christ patient? How was he? <laughs> the remaining under, abiding under. How, was, how did he restrain the passions by remaining under the discomfort of some pressure. Well, obviously, we can think of the cross, yeah? Like, there's lots of ways. I'm going to focus on one, but I'll just give you a few examples. 40 days, right, fasting. Um, There was people, and this is where I'm going to talk about this, this form of patience with people. They, with his disciples, right, who didn't get it and did not constantly get it. He was interrupted and patient with the woman when he was on his way to go heal someone. Someone stopped him and, and drew out his power, you know, with the woman with the bleeding issue. Like, he was patient with her. He was patient with the Pharisees, right? He was patient. He could have at any moment said, enough, this is the truth, right? But he was patient. He was patient with those who were attacking him, who were coming at him. He was patient. And, and I'm not going to go into the depths of the cross because I don't feel like I have the magnitude to say, but obviously the cross would be an extreme, extreme restraint of passions, right? Under the discomfort of extreme, the, the biggest pressure in the world, right? So I, I'm not even going to unpack that, but I'm going to go into, because it's Christmas, family how he was patient with his family. And so this is perfect, because just you were following Jesus's, and I appreciate your six years, right? Because that is patience. That's the reality. So Luke 3, verses 45 through 51. I'm going to pull this up. No, no, I guess I'm doing this translation. All right, one second. Okay. So this is when Jesus is now um, 12 years old, and he has gone to the temple, right? And he is listening to um, the, um, the rabbis. This is chapter three. Uh, sorry, chapter two. Did I say three? Chapter two. Let's start with verse 45, right? So his parents have left, and they're in a caravan, and they cannot find Jesus. He's in the temple, right? He's, he's with the, the rabbis. And starting in verse 45, so his parents are searching, searching, and they, when they fail to find him, this is the Amplified, 
They went back to Jerusalem looking for him up and down all the way. After three days, they found him, came upon him in the court of the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished and overwhelmed by bewildered wonder at his intelligence and understanding and his replies. And when they, Joseph and Mary, saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Here, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you, distressed and tormented. And he said to them, how is it that you had to look for me? Did you not see and know that it is necessary as a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied by my father's business? But they, they did not comprehend it. They didn't get it, right? They are not getting the revelation of the living God, right? But they, but they did not comprehend what he was saying to them. And before we read 51, we're just going to pause right there and just ask ourselves, okay, here's the situation. We have apparently distressed and tormented parents, right? That sounds a little maybe demonic, right? No, you know what I mean? Distress, right? That's not from the kingdom. Jesus, his parents are not getting it, and they're pulling, throwing all this anxiety and distress on him. If I was writing this story, I'd be like, okay, stop right now. You listen to me. I am God. Here's the deal. I was there. I told you when I was five years old I was going to go there every year. What's wrong with you? You know, that's what I would have done. That is what I would have done, you guys. And here in verse 51, it says, this is what it says right after that, you do not comprehend. And when he went down with them, and then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was habitually obedient to them. And his mother kept, close, kept and closely and persistently guarded all the things in her heart. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was habitually obedient to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was habitually obedient to them. The patience, the honor that Jesus gave his parents who were distressed and anxious, not listening to God, not getting it is blowing my mind. It, it, it gives, it just gives a check of saying like, what excuse do I think I've always needed and had to um, not give my family patience, not give my parents patience? I've definitely done that where I've gotten revelation, right, of what God's doing. And I was like, you guys don't get it. <laughs> I totally have done that. I've done that. And Jesus' humility, his patience, his waiting for the timing. He was so connected to the Father, he didn't need to prove himself. He didn't need to address something. And like Joe was saying, like, there is this patience that he was exhibiting with his parents, living under this authority, you know? For, th what, 33? I don't know. I guess you become an official adult at 13. But he was living under that for a long time. And at any moment, he could have said, enough. But he didn't. He was patient with his family. And I just feel that as we go home at Christmas, right, there's going to be those things, those things that rile up. A and when you're under, I imagine he was feeling that restraint of passions. I imagine he was restraining his passions, right? while remaining under the discomfort and the pressure of his tormented, distressed parents. But he, he didn't 
lash out. He didn't release that passion, yeah? And I just feel like there's a moment, there's an opportunity, and I love what you said, Joe, because I do feel like, what do we do, right? Going back to the, our culture has created a business of alleviating that. Like, it's simple, and it's okay, but our phones are a great reliever from pressure, right? Instagram is just so there, and I'm speaking for myself, that Instagram has become a relief for me at times. And that is okay, but I'm just saying, like, there, I just feel that like there's moments that we're going to have going home, wherever we're going home, where there's an opportunity to really that, pre that patience and that grace, and not choose the out that the world is offering. But the world has no other options, right? They don't have Holy Spirit, so these are their solutions, but they don't need to be our solutions. They're not our solutions. So the next Greek word for patience is, right, hold on a second. Let me just sound this out in my head. <laughs> Macrothumia. I don't know. Tammy doesn't know. That means it's totally butchered. Um, <laughs> but we'll go with macrothumia. All right, there's two Greek words, right? One starts with the M, one starts with the H, right? <laughs> so this one is, uh, the definition is about the long suffering, right? And that's probably the one that we really know. The one we really, really hate. The long, 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 the long suffering. And I do appreciate, right, that the Greeks, God, and the Greeks got together, and they created this word, and they said patience, but they also added the suffering. Isn't that encouraging? It's like, yeah, it is suffering. It is. It's painful waiting. So let's just, like, be like, okay, we all get it. It is the long waiting, the, the waiting for things that you are believing for, the waiting. There is a suffering aspect to it. Yeah? It's painful to wait. It is painful. In um, Second Peter, three nine in the Amplified. Let me go back to this one. Second Peter three nine. We're going to kind of see where Jesus was this type of long suffering patience, and how he is still it today. Second Peter three nine. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow. Well, I think you're slow. No, just joking. <laughs> but it says the Lord is not slow. <laughs> so maybe my, my understanding is off, right? Because if the Bible is not, then I'm in. Um, the Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's concept of slowness. Yeah. There you go. He, he put that in there. He's like, according to Vanessa's concept of slowness, I'm not that, but she thinks it, but I'm not. I wrote it in here just so you know. I know you guys think I'm slow, but I'm not, right? Okay, but he is long-suffering, extraordinary patient toward you, not desiring that, that any should perish, but that all should return to repentance. The long-suffering of the Lord is this interesting dichotomy because he is waiting for his bride, right? He is waiting for the world to come into salvation. And I do appreciate the long-suffering because you see that it, it is painful for him. He's waiting, but there is a pain point 
in the long suffering. And I think that's comforting because we can connect with, with Jesus in that, that there is a pain point of, of believing there's these dreams of God's heart, right? And he is waiting so patiently and he's longing. And in the longing, there is that pain of wanting to see something come to pass. But thank the Lord for his patience because I remember there was a moment when I was not liking patience and I was like, I don't like patience. I hate it. I don't know why you want me to have it. Um, And the Lord really spoke to me about that. He's like, Vanessa, if I wasn't patient, let's say I wasn't patient. In 1981, I said, I've had enough. I'm taking everyone back. I'm coming to the earth. You would not be here. I was born in 1982. I know, I'm getting old. (laughs) But he was really showing me, like, my patience is making sure that I get the most of humanity, the most of my children as possible. His patience is this interesting mix of timing and length. There's such this interesting mix and combination. And it's like, oh, woe is me to think, like, I can, like, know what's long and what's not. Woe is me to complain when I'm like, it's been a year. It's been six years. Woe is me. What does that mean in the mass vastness of God? And it just just put me in perspective of like, why are you complaining, Vanessa? And, And then he's like, and what are you complaining about? Well, I want this to happen for me. I want this to happen for me. And then I want this to happen for me. Oh, and this to happen for me too by this time. And it was like this, this revelation of like, my view is very, very micro. So micro, it, it includes Vanessa and Vanessa and Vanessa and Vanessa and Vanessa and Vanessa. <laughs> oh, and Vanessa at the end. Like, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> oh, that's been a little humbling too, you know. You're like, but, but they tell me that my dreams are supposed to come true and it's all about me and this world's for me. And I'm going to get what I want when I want it. That's what, you know, Disneyland tells you. You know, so many people tell you this, right? That's what all the products say. It's for me. And then God's like, all right, let's, let's just hang out here for a couple of years. <laughs> let's just wait. Let's just wait right here. And I'm like twitching and like not like knock down the spirit. It's like, you know, <laughs> the other twitching, <laughs> the deliverance <laughs> that's taking time. So I want to now focus in. I'm going to bring a little Christmas a little Christmas to us on Christmas. Um, just talking about this beautiful timing of God that I don't get it, and I'm, I know I may not ever fully understand this beautiful timing. It's like a mix of his plan for my life, his plan for the world, his plan for the others, and this like interesting mix of timings. When, when he's done the work in me, he's done the work in the world, it's at the perfect timing where he gets the greatest glory. And I just feel, if any of you are like me, that perspective is really important. And it's really important to kind of begin to filter that in to all the dreams that you have for your life. I think it's really important to start filtering that through your list of... um, what needs to happen by age 45 for me. I'm just talking about myself right now. So it's no, no, it's not about you, but okay. Anyway, 45, mm, 37. I just turned 37. I have, all right, God, we have like what? Seven, eight more years to go. Okay. No, I've thrown that away. 
Okay, so I, about a year ago, <laughs> Colt and I were talking, he was about to preach, and I was like, oh, you should talk about Elizabeth, and we were like, maybe going to do it together, and then we got in a big fight, and it didn't work out, and he released it, and it was great, but I just, <laughs> it's a true story, right? Um, right? Yeah, yeah, it was true. Anyway, but I have been really loving Elizabeth for about a year, I think, um, because there's just something in her, on her. There's something on her. And there's just something about Luke. I'll just say, for women, there's something beautiful about the book of Luke because it's like, basically, he kind of does this beautiful pattern of he communicates with a man and then a woman and then a man and a woman. And the really, really beautiful thing about Luke is like he just highlights Elizabeth and Anna, these two women who are at the end of their life and who have been patient. They have waited. They have waited, and they have stayed set apart and holy for their whole life. Their whole life. And I think it's so beautiful that Jesus, God, said, when I bring my Christmas story, when I bring this moment, Jesus comes, I'm going to remember those women. I'm going to remember that 80-year-old woman who thinks that she, who's been nicknamed the barren one. I'm going to visit her. Because she's been holy and she's been waiting. She's been praying. She's been going to the temple. And there's just something so beautiful about the heart of Jesus and that story. I, so I'm just going to read in Luke chapter 1 in the Passion Translation, um, verse 6. I'm going to kind of jump around in this chapter. Because um, it says, they were both lovers of God. This is Elizabeth and Zechariah living virtuously and following the commandments of the Lord fully. But they were childless since Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both quite old. In verse 12, or sorry, verse 13, I'm going to jump around. It says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing you grace. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. And then in verse 3, I mean, sorry, in verse 24, sorry, 20, 25, she said with joy, she's become pregnant, so uh, I'll start with 24. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. She said with joy, see how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace, the disgrace, the disgrace of my barrenness. And then in verse 36, when the angel comes to Mary, it says, What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. The barren one is now in her sixth month. I just... Elizabeth, the barren one. And I, I want to talk about her a little bit and how 
God was using that story to kind of show us what some of the things he might be doing in us, how he's using patience to bring perfection in us. I mean, the barren one, that, that it's like the angel knew her nickname. Like, can you imagine, like, waiting for a really long time for something you know you're called to do, but it has not happened, and everyone knows it has not happened. So much so that you now have a nickname, the barren one. I mean, can you just imagine, like, think about, like, what your, some of your, your hopes and your dreams, right? And to be labeled as the failed one, you know? <laughs> like, the one who did not get anything, right? Right. Uh, and I imagine that that was a challenge for her. And I think there's something, right? There is... In the midst of waiting, I believe one of the things he, I, I imagine he was doing with Elizabeth and with Jesus before he became 30 and before he could announce his 33 and announce his minute, or 30, yeah. Um, that, and there's something he's doing in all of us, that there's, he's removing our need for man's praise, approval, glory, mm-hmm. confirmation, out of our lives. That is part of patience. Because the reality is, right, like, it's a very secret thing that's going on that no one else really knows. And you may know, like, there's things, and, and the rest of the world's like, I don't see it. She's the barren one. You know, and I feel like what he was doing in that moment is like, I'm removing your need to be known a certain way among men. I'm remove, you're, you're getting misunderstood. And Jesus was that, right? And that's where his long-suffering was. Like, he was completely misunderstood of his power and his calling and his purpose. And I imagine that is, there's a bit of humbling, right? There's a humbling process in that when, when nobody knows, like, and, and actually they're, being, they're, they're, they're defining you now by the thing that you, and especially think about a woman in this point, right? Like, ta-da-da-da, that's her big purpose in life, you know? It's like, this was the thing she was, in this culture, was birthed to do, right? The thing you were made to do. I think, I mean, it's wonderful to have children, but I'm so glad that there are other options for women. Um, but, this is, but I mean, just think about that. Like, I just believe that there's something that, for some of you today, this is something that God's doing in you. If you're waiting for something, I, I believe that he is, is getting to a place where it doesn't matter, if someone else qualifies you, and it doesn't matter if a man says you have it or you don't, it's right now, it's a very secret thing between you and the Father. And it's really important for it to be secret, because you know what? They named him John. That was not a family name. That was, and people were shocked. When the baby came out, they're like, what are you going to name him? We're going to name him John. Nope, that can't be it. We're going to ask Zachariah, and Zachariah said, Name him John. And I just feel like I'm going to propose to you that there was a surrendering, that she didn't have to go and, and follow what her family would say tradition was, right? She didn't have to please her family, the culture, and name what now God had given her. And I feel like that's part of it. Like some of the things we're called to do, the world wants to name it. And I feel like the secret place is because God's going to name it his own name. So I just feel like for some of you, there's a secret place right now. And stay in this long suffering. (laughs) Stay in it. Stay in it. Don't jump out. Don't jump out of the boat. Long suffering. (laughs) 
Those are the words. I mean, it doesn't sound any comfort. There's no comfort in that, right? <laughs> but there is, right? There is. There is. And trust me, there, you'll find the comfort. Um, the next thing I believe he's doing in this process of patience and perf putting perfection in us is this expansion of our view. And I, as I was saying earlier, like, I'm the first one in line to say, I have a very, have had a very micro view. By 45, Vanessa will accomplish this, Vanessa, 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 Vanessa. <laughs> and that is not the kingdom at all. <laughs> at all. And I feel like, it also is expanding our view of what really is the end, right? Because the Lord revealed to me, like, Vanessa, you, you have an end at, like, 45, and it's a ticking clock. It's going backwards. So t -t 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 -t. it is slowly diminishing. And I had an expectation of what should be accomplished by age 45. And I had a view of the end of the story. My end of the story was the X, Y, Z. But that is not the end of the story. And part of the process of patience is expanding our understanding of what is the end of the story. The end of the story is James 1, 2, 4, right? Which was, did I take it out? Yeah, James 1, 2, 4. I read this earlier. I'll read it again really quickly. The end of the story is, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. You see, this end of the story is actually my wholeness, my fullness, my, my fully looking like Jesus. It is not becoming da -da -da -da, like the, the actor or the successful XYZ. That is not the end of my story. This is the end of my story. This is the end of my story. So patience is a tool to get me there. And it's not about getting all these other things that I really want. And, and, and I've laid those down. I don't know. And, and, and I think there is such this confusion because our culture says so many messages. And there is this beautiful thing of, yes, there are dreams that God puts in us, but we don't know how they look. And we don't know the end of the story. And and there might be some of these gifts and burdens that I have that I may not even see till the new kingdom, till the new heaven and earth. You know, like, I, I've just had such a micro view of this earth and what I should accomplish here. Um, the last verse is Ephesians 5, 27. Of what is the end of the story? What is the end of our story? Ephesians 5, 27 in the passion. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. That is the end of the story, that we become a mature church for his pleasure, glorious and radiant, praise to him, that that is the end of the story. And then when we have that bigger and a macro narrative, then we, we don't despise patience. We don't despise the waiting because we see it is training us. It is, it is refining us. It is preparing us to become the praise for him. 
So it's so important that in this patient that we get that macro view. The next thing that he is, and I'm almost going to land and I'm almost done. Um, the next thing is, in this process of long suffering and patience, he is drawing you into deeper communion with the Father and understanding what it means to be fathered. So uh, the other day, a while back, I gave Fern some big adult scissors that she is now ready to use and cut. And I walked away for a sec, and when I came back, she was giving them to Lilu. And I immediately said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to take those now. Thank you very much. But it was a beautiful example of a need for a father, a need for a mother, how a mother, a father, knows how to assess a child's maturity or immaturity. They know how to know, and they are very concerned and very concerned for their protection. And another concern I have with our culture, and I'm part of it, is that, right, we have a lot of brothers and sisters. And brothers and sisters are wonderful. They cheer us on. They say the amens. They agree. They hope. But they do not have the discernment of a father. And I think that's where it can get confusing at times because when I tell my friend, I'm going to do this and this and this and this, they're like, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> they don't have the discernment to know when I'm mature enough to have it. And sometimes I'll listen to my brothers and sisters and say, well, well all of them have amen me. Father God, why have you not amen me? And it's kind of like with Lilo. There, she is not mature enough to handle these big scissors. And it is my job, it is the father's job, the mother's job, to say, no, I love you. You are not ready. You will hurt yourself, and you will hurt everyone around you, and you will destroy your environment. It is not mean. It is not harsh. It is good and protecting. And, and me as a mother knows when she'll be ready. So it's not like I'm being cruel. I know. And I just feel that this is an opportunity to get connected to understanding fathering and knowing how to put ourselves under spiritual fathership and, and understanding that a father's voice and a mother's voice is very different than our peer's voice. And I just know, I know it's an area in our culture, in our society, there is a lack of fathering and mothering. I do believe the church is called to become the fathers and mothers. And, and I do believe it's an awesome opportunity to, to keep saying, like, where are my spiritual fathers and mothers? And, and how, and when they say something that rubs me the wrong way, like, not to immediately put our, our hand up, right? Because there is a wisdom and a leadership and they see things differently. They are not a brother. They are not a sister. They are not a friend. It is very different. And patience, and I just feel like there's this, there's this mix of fathering and patience that God's doing, that he wants to get us to understand just his good fathership and that they're in, in the patience, he is fathering us. He is fathering us. I'm going to take a step and then... Yeah. So yeah. I just I'm going to kind of bring it to an end, but I just Oh, the last thing. Yeah, the last thing is what God's doing in you. Yeah, this is it. So the last thing that he's using patience for is or if there's a struggle with your staying in patience is if we yield to the process that God has us on, 
if we do not jump ship early, if we do not say, peace out, this is ridiculous, I'm getting out of here, I don't like this. I do believe that it takes patience. It takes yielding to the patience of Holy Spirit, of Christ. And in this patience, this waiting, where our natural human tendencies say, peace out, I don't want any part of this, God's inviting us to stay there and in this patience. There is a divine solution that he wants to bring you that is different than what you would have expected. And I feel like, you know, Elizabeth, right? Like, I don't know. If she had had many children with this, and she had not waited, right? This baby was part of the problem in the world, right? It was a solution to start bringing Jesus. And it wasn't the way, right? It, was, it wasn't Zachariah Jr. It was John. It was something different. It was divine. It was different than her concept. And I just feel like there's, for some of you, there might be, like, if you jump ship, you're going to miss a divine solution God wants to give you to a problem that you are in. We are not, we are meant to be problem solvers, right? But if we want to jump and get out of these pressure points, I'm afraid we will abort becoming the solution to the world's problem. So Lord, direct our hearts into the patience of Christ. We do not want to abort ship, God. Direct our hearts into the patience of Christ into the patience of Christ, God, to know, God, how to yield and to see patience as a gift. Yeah, so the worship team can come up, and we're going to just wrap it up here, but I just pray, feel like we should just kind of sit in this prayer of direct our hearts into the patience of Christ. I ask for more revelation to beyond this, God, into your patience Christ of Christ. I, I know I didn't totally unpack it. I'm, no, I'm sure there's so much more. I know there's so much more to, um, to learn and to experience the Holy Spirit about the patience of Christ. And my prayer is that this is just an invitation to see that patience, the process of patience is not a punishment, it is a present. Merry Christmas. Here is your present. <laughs> it is a present. It is a present to bring you into perfection, to bring you into maturity. That is a beautiful present. Is it, a pr- it is a present to give you great understanding. It is a present to give you tools to know how to take a city. It is a present. Patience. Patience. Yeah, yeah, and I just, um, yeah, I just want to invite anyone who feels like they want to, you know, press into this more. I feel like this is resonating with you. We um, can pray for you, um, but yeah, the patience of Christ. 
May the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God and the patience of Christ.